Hello and welcome to Turning Point Tactics, the competitive Kill Team 40k podcast, focused on giving you the strategies and tactics, the season initiative, every turning point. I'm your host Ryan and I'm joined by the balanced data slate to my perfectly planned YouTube script on victory points, Connor. How you doing this evening, Connor? <laughs> I'm, good, I'm good, thanks Ryan. It was good timing, wasn't it? It was just literally as we released it. It was like they waited for us to hit record and then as soon as we had finished editing decided, yes, now is the time to make all of what you just said redundant. Well, not all of it, but but a big portion of it. So. I've, uh, I've got an interesting point now, actually, following on from what we spoke about yesterday, because I quite liked your point about um, playing victory points aggressively or methodical, so going 2x2, two 3x3, two, three, three, or 4x4x4, four by four by four. but that was obviously centred around 12 victory points. Now that we can get 16 points, can, are we now ready to finally admit aggressive is the way you should be going 4x4x4x4 four by four by four by four if you want to come out top that's the only way to get full points in four <laughs> so if you want to max that is correct that is the only way but what, what well for the benefit of the audience in case someone listening hasn't necessarily heard of this change do you want to go ahead and tell them what the the, the change is to primary vp yes so uh, if you want to get all the details yourself uh, if you go into warhammer community you can get the data slate and there's also a really nice video between elliot and ben on warhammer tv we'll probably put the link in somewhere so you can see that but essentially the primary points has now got a new ceiling. So it used to be 12. It's now, I'm correct in thinking it's 16 now, isn't it? Correct. Yeah, it's going to work to 16 instead of 12. And um, so that then pushes it past that 20 point ceiling to now 24. So you could get 24 points now. Which was a stealth release. So they, they re-updated the balance data because initially they hadn't put that second line in, but they just added that little caveat at the end. So each player counts score more than 16 victory points in total from the mission objective during the battle instead of 12, and a maximum of 24 victory points from the game instead of 20. So that's going to just bump up all those scores that you can do uh, to give us a, a much, much higher threshold. You're right, Connor. Like, uh, before, I was talking all about how do you score 12 VP. And um, that's how all the game plans I talked about were 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 predicated on. Um, and you're right, now that's not necessarily valid. However, and I'll caveat this, I don't think that the best game plan going out the door is going to be going for 16 VP every game. I think that is a, a, a way to maybe burn yourself out of models and resources early on and potentially get punished by a slightly more cautious opponent um, going into the game. So... I think this is, this is really interesting and, and it's a really big change. I think it's going to force people to be a bit more aggressive and you're going to see a lot more people trying to get those those uh, those points leads in turn one, um, which will be will, will make for a much more dynamic game potentially, which is, which is quite cool. But I think all of what we said on the last episode, there is there is still loads of stuff that's, that's, that remains true in that. And I think now actually the, the new way of looking at your game plan is how do you score 13 VP? And the reason why I'm I'm saying 13 is it's not like both players can score 16 VP. That's not how the game works. So in two of the three missions, there is 24 VP on the table, right? So um, that's how much there is. And that's a, a, a finite number. And you can only get a maximum of 24 split between the two players. Except, so for, if, except for loot, right? Because loot's except for loot. got an 18 point. Correct, season. yeah. So it's either 24 or 18 for loot, which loot obviously being the, the slightly lower scoring one, which brings me to a point like, why don't they just make loot for VP per objective? It would make everything a lot more aligned. But question for GW, I think that's probably the way it should go in future is just to make loot into a four round game where 
you can only loot every t uh, once a turn on all the points, but at the end of the day, it's still worth a maximum of um, 24. But anyway, by the by, um, loot is 18 and the rest of the, the missions are 24. So the game plan that I think that's important to come out of this is how do you get 13 VP minimum? Minimum, minimum is, is the key point. So how do you get minimum 13 VP? Because if you can do that, it's, you know, and, and you match attack ops, then it becomes irrelevant as to what your opponent does. You're guaranteed to get a win. So I think don't rush ahead of too much and try and get 16 straight out the bat because i still think a lot of tiebreakers are going to be focused on those tack ops um and you might you know you might be able to get it but uh you're probably steamrolling your opponent anyway and what i'd be cautious of is is over committing turn one to try and get that four vp and then finding out that you've you've burned out of resources uh, by the end of turn three because there were teams that were doing that before right like there were teams that were going out there go on that four 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 game plan um and they were they didn't care that on the last turn yeah. they had nothing left right because they had achieved four 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 they'd maxed they got the attack ops they went home happy um and, and now actually the the counter to this is where everyone previously thought that it was going to be the, the most important thing to come out come out the door aggressive and go for a four 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 I actually think it might be the opposite advice. You've got to be careful of, of, of an opponent doing a late game surge. So you might go four up on the, on, on turn one, and your opponent then gets you know two four 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 and and you're screwed, or even two three four four or something like that. So um, just be really careful on on being too aggressive. Although I, I know I'm saying that to you, Connor, it's, it's completely irrelevant. <laughs> but, but but there we go. No, I, I genuinely think you got something valid there. But I do want to pick your brains. So you've said I think something quite intelligent there. You said. Let's set laps up for trying to go for 13, and that's how you secure your victory against your opponent. But victory against your opponent isn't good enough because the whole reason this was introduced was to stop people drawing in tournaments. You, If you want to win the tournament, is 13 points every single game going to be enough? Or do you need to be looking at 14? So, well, the, the, the change was brought in so we were drawing during that game. So okay. th that's the main thing because what, what was happening was a lot of people were scoring 12 VP on primaries and yep. their 6 VP on their tack ops. And it might be quite an uninteractive game, but yet they're, they're drawing and they're pushing through to the next round without having a definitive winner. So this is specifically focused at trying to remove that, that drawing element within the game itself. But you're absolutely right. Now, I don't know what tournament people are going to be going to and what the win condition is going to be of that tournament, right? So you need to get into this. If you're going for that first place, you need to know what that win condition is, right? So if the win condition is going to be max VP scored, well then, you know what? You maybe do need to get out the door and be a bit aggressive and get those those VPs. But if if the if the first tiebreaker, the win condition is going to be tack ops, well then I'll say you know hold on, cowboy, don't 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 go fucking mental with it, and um, and maybe instead just get thirteen points and make sure you max on those tack ops. That that that's be what my my advice would be there. So um, and, and there's a few bits you know, that's going to come out of this, which is a little bit more, and I I kind of want to just I'll touch on it now because it says doing it in a later episode, but. I do think that you, and I hate to say that you have a point, but Connor might be right, you know, on the going <laughs> going up early um, because it lets you have a bit more control of the battle, right? So I'm not saying overcommit, you know, I'm not saying throw away everything, but what I am saying is, is if you can go up on turn one and you can get your four VP um, and you can maybe get like, say, four VP on turn two, then the best your opponent can ever do is 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 draw with you, right? Because well, assuming you get two VP in, in in turn three and turn four, um, but 
it, it helps you gauge how you need to control the battle, right? So maybe by going up on turn one, you, you realize, you know what, actually, this is getting a little bit hectic. I'm going to go more for a 4-3-3-3 plan, which is going to get me that 13 VP. It's going to put me one up on primaries. And it's going to mean that at the end of the game, I'm going to, you know, have that point point differential lead. But it lets you gauge it, right? Whereas let's say you're on like a, you only score two points on turn one. Well, now you, you're always on a little bit of catch up. And it might not be the best scenario if you to try and push onto that objective, but you have to do it because because the points, points are there. So um, there's definitely a benefit to, to taking that, that lead early and forcing your opponent to react to you. But my, my advice still stands on don't don't be too hesitant just to jump in there and try and try and max it. So a bit of a change for what we said last week, and I, I appreciate that, that that's the case, but the, the key lessons are still there. Any other thoughts thoughts on that, Connie, you want to throw in? No, I just want to reiterate, I think I think Corn's got you in your grasp. In your grasp <laughs> you're corrupted now. It'll slowly slowly corrupted. change you. Well well, you know, and, and we'll we'll come to talk about Legionary in a bit, but um because there, there <laughs> yeah. might be more reasons why uh why corn's winning now all right uh so what other changes have we got kind there's quite a few to talk about yeah so we spoke about the critical missions part there um but obviously the, there were some kill teams themselves that got uh changed uh let's jump in first with commandos so they've now had a change to their operatives so you can now basically if you if you pick the grot you can get the squig if you pick the squig you can get the grot for, for free and it's not obligatory so you don't have to take it but they're now half an operative so there's there's more men for the commandos yeah so just to, to make that clear in the operative selection step of the um of the match mission sequence if you select a bomb squid operative you can also select the commando operative for free or vice versa for 11 operatives in total instead of 10 so that, that's kind of the change that, that we're looking at and this is really this is this is a a, a nice internal balance change because a lot of people in the, in the new match play um, uh, games were traditionally just opting for a, a standard commando because the uh, commando grot isn't particularly exciting when it comes to any sort of offensive capability where commanders is already struggling a little bit and the um, the bomb squig was quite dangerous with the fact that it could explode do damage to your own people um, and was sort of like one of those, those difficult models because it always has to stay on engage um, so the benefit to this is it's going to give you a bit more activation advantage. It's going to put you up to 11 um, activations, which is quite nice against those other mid-range teams where before maybe you'd be down to initiative and that sort of stuff. But actually now you can take initiative and still have, be ending on, on, on the same amount of activations uh, or be one activation up, which could be nice as well. Now, I think there's definitely something to be said here about the, the bomb squig um, and how you use it. So... If your maps are like Octarius, you can put them behind a door or something visibility blocking and then, and then and then run them out. And you can also use that on ITD. And they're quite a useful deterrent in that bomb squid because it is actually quite a big um, uh, threat when it comes to, 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 to detonating. Uh, so I think it's a, it's a good way of, of holding people back. So I, I think we're going to see more people taking this. And here's a fun model, which is, which is good because it's a bit of a shame to see such a charismatic fun model not being put on the table. Um, I would also say, though, don't underestimate the grot and the, the, the super conceal in the movement because um, a lot of the new missions, and you have to sort of like get, get into the, the maps you're playing with and look at them and understand them. But a lot of them, those... All the objectives can be quite far away, and some of them are about like a ten-inch like move to be able to get there, which is is difficult for a lot of teams to do. But a grot can get there in, in, on turn one, and even potentially, if your opponent uh, misplays and only puts say two APL on their baseline object, um, 
objective and they're playing capture, you could potentially throw your grot across the board and force them to only score one, say, on turn one by denying them their home, home objective, which can be really painful for, for a team. So um, definitely something to, to think about, that, that there's a lot of plays there. And if you're on a map like Octarius or, or Knackman with a lot of light cover in the open, this could be a really good model just to hold objectives safely. Um, and you can do that, 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 that movement early on, and it gives you a lot more flex with the models that you care about your actual threats later on in the turn. So um, something, to, something to think about. Commanders are already really good at getting those early VP leads and playing quite aggressively and stacking up those points nice and early. Uh, I think this is going to probably help them, help them do that. Any thoughts on that, Connor? It's just a, it's just a nice, subtle change. It'll be good to get that meat-seeking missile out on the board more often. I think he is a cool model, a bit dynamic. You don't know what's going to happen. So, yeah, nice change. And at the end of the day, definitely someone will die, which is cool. <laughs> yeah. All right, should we jump on to the next one? Yeah, let's do it. So next up, Legionary. Um, well, specifically Nurgle Legionary. So we've had a change to the Mutagenic Flesh strategy, where now, uh, so beforehand, they could reduce damage to a minimum of two damage. Now the damage reduction has gone to a minimum of three, which is, is pretty significant for them, I think. Yeah. Uh, Oof. This is, this is rough, right? Like, yeah. guaranteed get damage reduction is just so nice, right? Because... As a competitive player, I like it um, because it, 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 I know exactly sort of what's going to happen. I, I'm not trying to figure it out on the fly. Um, and and for your opponent, it's, it's kind of nice as well because, again, it's that guaranteed effect. I know how this is this is going to work out and this is what's going to happen. But it's so strong. Like, it's so powerful that, it's, that it really shut down those three damage weapons. And now, actually, it's it's going to only shut down sort of like your four damage and up weapons. Which is a which is a pretty significant change, and and one of the key strengths that like Nurgle Legionary had was the fact they had the damage reduction, and they paired that with the ability to ignore injury, and they paired that with the ability to retain crits off off of a normal a successful normal uh, save as well. So the fact they could do all of those things just skyrocketed their durability. But now that that's gone away, and I think the matches where they're going to most feel this is like any of those Bolter matches, right? So against Intercession and Phobos, or even, say, Thousand Sons, um, with their uh, rubrics, they're really going to feel quite a lot of, of, of extra damage coming through. Whereas before, you know, it would take six regular hits to, to kill a guy. Now, suddenly, you're looking down at, like, four hits to kill a guy. That actually is, is quite a significant change. Um, but there's, you know, there's lots of other winners as well, like Gelopox matchup is going to be better for Gelopox. Um and because a lot that they have some melee options, which are three, four, and that sort of thing, which uh, is is going to hurt people. And then generically, I think people are more likely to turn away from from Nurgle, which I don't actually know if it's going to be like the, the 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 final nail in the coffin for Nurgle. Where I, I still feel that their other abilities are just so good for I durability buffs. Know. Where yeah, the, the Overwatch uh, ability and. Um, not being injured, they're all pretty cool. Absolutely, and like particularly in things like Into the Dark, you know your ability to ignore Overwatch penalties and injure penalties, so you can be injured Overwatching on threes. Oof, but like that is a that is a huge huge buff. Um, and and these other mo like models, they're not going to get it. But I think what you what you might see instead is is more sort of um, uh, Zench and more uh, Undivided come out as a result. Because I feel like they're going to be like the 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 natural response to seeing this nerf. 
Um, so I think this is this is a good change for the internal faction balance. So I think there's, we're going to see a lot more people try new things in amongst uh, legionary. But I think overall this is a this is this is a pretty significant nerf to to legionary. Uh, so that there will be more balance internally, but that balance is going to be at a lower tier than they, than they previously sat. And I think this is this is going to really hurt them into the matchup into uh, intercession because those shoot twice, double tapping P one lethal five bolters. I think I'm going to start ripping through some of these guys pretty pretty quickly. Not just that. The um, I'm trying to think. What was the profile of the chainsaw? That was three, wasn't it? No, it was four five chainsaw. Four five. So that's a, against a chainsaw, it's it, it's no difference unless, of course, they start taking things like Tzench, and then suddenly or Tzench, sorry, um, that net then absolutely that's going to make a huge change. So I think if we start seeing people shifting away from the, the you know the traditional um, sort of Nurgle. Nurgle route, they're going to start getting hurt by those four damage weapons that they weren't previously noticing, which will be really interesting to see as well because um, it's going to a three hit in, in damage range against uh, those chain swords. Oh, you, you're going to feel that for sure, I think. I'm all for it. I think it stops the game getting stale. I think a lot of people, when they painted their legionary, they probably painted them Black Legion so they can quite happily say these models are all Zine. So it's not, not hard for anyone to have to repaint anything, probably. I think it's cool. Yeah. And well, I've seen some people do like entirely bespoke teams where each model is their own mark and it looks incredible. So, um, yeah, I. But you're right. It, it's it, it's good for the internal balance. Absolutely. Okay. So moving on then, Corsairs have had a very minor change. Essentially, the Shredder has now also gained the rending critical hit. Why it just brings it in line with Hand of the Archon, I think, just aligning these factions with each other. That makes sense. Yeah. So I mean, I'm going to just put it out there. To the Corsair players and everyone else playing against Corsairs, like this isn't a buff. I mean, it, it, sure, it feels like one, but it, it's really just a nice to have. All right, so it's only going to affect one model, and it only ever works on a crit. And sure, the weapon has five attacks, but you cannot, like, you cannot be relying on this at all. Um, so the the difference between the Shredder on, on Corsairs and the Shredder on Jakari is 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 massive, right? Because the Jakari have many ways of being able to get crits. Um, across their team, so they're going to get those crits, and then it's going to be able to proc this rending, which is which is really nice. However, you know, Corsairs do not live in that same part at all. So um, once again, their reliability being uh, tied to it to rolling a six is is just rough. So um, uh, cool, it's nice to have, good to see, but I I, I don't see this this changing anything too much. Yep, fair enough. But Phobos though, they have had a big change, so they have gained. Uh, the following strategic ploy, uh, Vanguard strategic ploy. It can perform a mission action or the pickup action for one less action point to a minimum of zero. So now they can start chopping into conceal or opening doors and, and just being more dynamic, I think. Yeah, so, well, not not on the... the uh, reconcealing is a individual action, it's not a mission action. Uh, so they wouldn't be able to do that. But, well, but what they could do is move and loot a point, shoot, and then conceal themselves which is what they weren't able to do. But they've... Okay, so, yeah, apologies. Their action economy has increased. That's a better way of phrasing it, sorry. Yeah, yeah, that's a much better way of saying it. So, um, but you're right. So, like, that's really cool. And Vanguard is already giving you that plus one inch of movement. It's already giving you the ability to ignore transver uh, the first transverse penalty of client, whatever. So, uh, the first two inches. But, so, okay, nice. That's, that's a good buff. However... Let's look at this team. The most CP hungry team there is. So you want you want to be doing your bolt discipline. You want to be doing your P1. You want to be doing your Vanguard. Like that's three CP a turn. Oof. 
like uh okay you have a way to be able to regenerate cp but that's from your, from your leader spending apl etc cetera, etc cetera. so it's got a lot more expensive um so you want to be almost doing this every turn especially if you're playing into the dark and now you're going to be want to find as much cp as you can to be able to do that um cool i love it it's really good um it's a it's a nice ploy noting that like you know two-thirds of all the missions at the moment are action based this is pretty good it pairs nicely with terror because you can just jump on one of their objectives um, make them minus one apl and loot it in front of them uh, for free whilst also double tapping in the face with the vault pistol really nice love it that that's great however this is not the biggest buff to phobos we've actually already covered the biggest buff to phobos is and that buff was legionary <laughs> <laughs> getting hit with the mutilate flesh strategic ploy, right? So that is the biggest buff to Phobos that there is out there because that matchup was so, so rough. So rough. Like, only being able to do two damage. Oh, with like no rerolls and reliability and getting damage across. Oof, not not fun at all. Um, that was that was gross. So the fact that Legionary had been checked back into line um, is, is really useful. So um, that's good. However, it is a shame that you know, Phobos don't exist in a vacuum and they do have a bigger, bigger older brother called Intercession Squad because I I, I feel like Intercession Squad is going to be a bit of a bully to this team um, who can sort of hold their hand behind their back and, you know, hit them with their own fist and say, stop punching yourself because, you know, the Intercession effectively has the same stuff, right? So they can effectively go out the door with uh, a P1 bolter with lethal five and balanced. And Phobos have to spend CP to do all those things and shoot twice. So, you know, rapid methodical intercession is more durable than these guys. They're almost the same speed um, and and they're going to be able to do a lot more damage. So, yeah, it could be be pretty rough for Phobos going into that matchup. And I think you're going to see quite a few intercession um, coming out of it. But we'll talk more about intercession in a bit. Um, So... Cool. I would still love to see some rerolls on Phobos, but this is this is a nice change. Um, it's going to make the action efficiency better, which is fine. But I don't think that's why they were losing. Like I think they were scoring points okay. I think they were losing on their reliability and killing was was my take on Phobos. Um, but I think we will see a a, a, a significant rise in, in win, win rates uh, based on this and based on the fact that their worst matchup, I would say, has been significantly reduced which is which is a positive you made an interesting point there i just want to think about a little bit more so you said the sergeant generates a free cp which is, is valid but it costs him an apl but then if he's spending it on this vanguard ability everyone's getting bonus apl essentially so is it a net win i know i know it doesn't sound like it like it's costing you an ERC behind a team but you know for one apl you've given the whole team plus one apl yeah, but however, so it's not quite plus one APL. And that's kind of the thing I'd say about it is it's free mission actions and it's free pickup. So pickup is largely irrelevant. I mean, sure, you can now run over and you can grab your um, recover item turn one, but that was pretty much free VP anyway. So I wouldn't get too excited about that. Um, but, you know, it, it's going to help on the, on the primary objective, doing a bit more shooting and playing the mission at the same time. I guess where this is arguably... Um, giving you a bit more reliability and a bit more um, offensive output is now that you can you can move, do the objective and still shoot twice, yeah. which is which is nice. So that's that's where it's going to give you a, a bit more of an oomph where you need it. Um, but you know, 
your leader now, who's probably one of your most killing models outside of the marksman, um, is now having to spend that action every turn to be able to do it. So yeah. I almost feel like there's a bit of a strategy here where if you see your Phobos opponent across the table spending a lot of points early on on bottle discipline and deadly shots and all that sort of stuff, and you go, okay, he spent three CP on turn one to do all these stuff because he wants to go out the door fighting. I'm just going to hide, you know, like I'm just going to score my two, whatever, let him get four, and then let him get four again, and now he's out of CP. Like he's spent all his CP, and on turn three, I'm going to steamroll him. You know, like I'm going to I'm going to use that advantage uh, where you have it because if they burn out, and which they will burn out very quickly, or if you can kill their leader early on, they're not going to have the CP to do any of this stuff that they want to do. So, um, something to be aware of: CP management for Phobos is going to be really important. And I think if you're a Phobos player, maybe don't pop everything turn one. Like don't pop Bolt Discipline turn one. Just maybe go for your you know, vanguard to get to the objectives you want to get to um, and, and have the movement in the right place, but save your deadly shots and your bolt discipline until turn two and turn three, because then you can maybe surge forwards and be, be really mean with it. Um, that's kind of my thoughts anyway. Cool. Well, you mentioned the poster boys, intercession. Should we discuss their changes? Uh, sure. Let's jump to jump to intercession. Yeah, essentially, it's very similar to Nurgle. Uh, they, the durable perk that they had or chaps tactic they had uh, it's now uh, each time a your fights in combat or a shooting attack is made against it in the resolve successful hit step of that combat or shooting attack one critical hit inflicts one less damage on this operative again to a minimum of three beforehand it was all of them there's all the crits yeah so two two big changes there one it's now a minimum of three and two is that it's it's only working versus one critical hit so it's don't be wrong. It's it's still good, right? So this is this is useful into um, like power weapons and that sort of thing. You know, if you're playing someone that's got power swords and not particularly reliable, maybe they're only getting one crit, and you can make it only do five damage, and then you know you can you can see if you can take the next eight that comes through uh, from the regulars or whatever. But realistically, I think we're going to see that this 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 drops off because rapid is really good, methodical is really good. And it, this was always like a, it's just about on peer. Um, but in, in in the realm of shooting, you can ignore this because uh, you can use um, your uh, transhuman physiology to, to make a regular save into a crit save um, and that sort of thing. So it, it's a nice internal balance because I think it still has a place. It's still, it's still useful. It's just not quite as useful as it used to be. Um, and there's teams such as uh, your Galapox Infected are going to absolutely love this. Because their um, their leader with their with his pie gut and like into the dark and that sort of stuff, he's now going to be on a flat three three damage. It's going to be really gross to be able to deal with, um, and it's going to force through a lot. Other other teams that like this is like any team with a flamer or you know like, um, the vitiates in particular. They really like this. Um, so there's it, there is there is some perks. And finally, what I'll say is is team for shotguns. You know, if you if you have three three damage. Um, well, that's actually going to be 3-3 three, three now rather than what it was before, which is 3-2, where you got punished for rolling a crit, which always felt a bit a bit weird. So generically, durable is is, is significantly worse. Um, it's, it's still okay to a point, um, but I would say it's going to be rare where your opponent is rolling a lot of crits uh, during a shooting attack where you can maybe just spend one CP to... To, to knock it down and focus maybe on being a bit more to, or a bit more killy with your methodical. Yep. Yeah, yeah, valid. So you think we're going to see methodical now more than anything else? Yeah, absolutely. And 
and and one of the things I'd say as well is uh, it's, it's, it's acknowledging that the, this balanced data slate in general, I think, is going to be really good for intercession. So now that legionaries are, I think, easier to beat, um, we're going to see intercession have a have a significant rise because that was one of the one of the hardest matchups I think was was Nurgle legionary, um, and actually now you can you can probably shoot them off the board quite comfortably. Um, so that that's pretty cool for them. And I think overall they're going to be in a really good place going forwards because they're they're coming out as one of the strongest elite teams I think uh, based on what we're seeing uh, happening around them. So you said Gellapox, uh, they sort of got a minor buff with the change to Durable, but they've also got a minor nerf here. So Volgar, Volgar, thrice cursed. His lead the infection ability is now you can only use it once per battle, as opposed to all the time. Yeah, so this is their ability to just effectively get more CP. So um, I think. Generically, any way that you can lose CP is, is a bit of a nerf, but I don't, I don't really think this is addressing why the team is winning significantly more than other teams, which is, I think, mainly their durability. Um, I guess you could argue that, that if you're taking away their ability to spam um, the, the rust emanations of that sort of stuff to be able to make their melee um, more uh, survivable, then I guess this is getting at that. But they still had enough CP to do that anyway. So I think the the main reason why this team is is so good is is their feel no pain. Um, but the problem with it is is any sort of feel no pain role. If you make it a six plus, it just makes the team pretty much unplayable. As a five plus, it's really swingy, and it's 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 a it's a really bad experience for for both players because if you're on the um, you know on the, the the receiving end and and and, and you have really hot uh, feel no pain rolls uh, against you, and you, you just can't get the damage through against this this army. Then it just feels rough, and vice versa. It, you know, if you don't make any feel no pain rolls, and your guys die really quickly, that can be really rough as well. So, um, I, I think in general, that's probably where the the issue of the team is. I'd love to just see a flat um, damage reduction uh, instead, but that's not quite where we're at. Um, but yeah, it, it will help, it will hurt them with the tactical ploys, but I don't think it's going to be a, a, a massive nerf to the team. We'll probably see them do quite well. Also noting that some of their harder matchups have been, have been nerfed around. I think, I think this one surprised me the most actually, because they, they received quite, quite a big nerf in the last day of slate. And this is another little, admittedly subtle nerf, but I've not really been seeing that much Gellapops and I've been playing. I don't, well, you've seen more tournaments than me, but I, I just don't feel they're being selected as much. So I don't know. I, I don't, We'll see what this one does. It. I'm. I was just surprised. I don't know if it's good or bad. Really, I'm just surprised. Yeah, there's still quite a small uh, portion of the meta, so it'll be interesting to see how they, if they grow in popularity, and you know how they get on. Um, but I think it's this in Spain in particular. There's there's quite a few good players running okay. them a lot. Yeah. Um, so it, it's one of those things where it's like, are we just seeing the effect of a very small data set where you have some very good players running this team, or are we seeing something that's actually potentially too strong? So. You, I think GW have done fine here. You know, they they've gone for a a, a very minor nerf, so they've they, they've done something. But time time will tell, I guess, and we'll see as as people pick up. Because you're right, it's, it's they're not too popular in the UK. I'm a big advocate for these small subtle changes as opposed to overly harsh ban hammers that then get reworked later on and rescinded. So I think they're doing the right thing at the minute. Speaking of, should we go into Star Shriders? You just got the massive nerf hammer. Uh, <laughs> been yeah, they've smashed uh, into the ground. <laughs> had quite, they've had the most changes in this data slate. So let's start off with um, the support assets. So previously, all support assets had their booster skill improved by one. Now that is only the architect beam, the uh, 
privatizable asset. Should we pause and talk about that for a bit? Yeah, absolutely. So um, it'd, it'd be interesting to do some, some stats on this because uh, I think you might have some, some data for us, Connor, to, to be able to give what the actual uh, the actual change is. Um, but I think the, the 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 overarching point that I'll make is is you know it was it it was kind of a feel bad it or it had that uh, that effects you know if you got hit by a big blast and and, and lost lots of models you 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 could be it you, it would feel bad if it was an unexpected angle I don't actually think this is going to help um, so I think with the um, with the casual players uh, if you're getting you know unexpectedly uh, hit your opponent can still roll hot. And they can still get those 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 big attacks with lots of damage off anyway. So um, I think at the competitive end, most players were just sort of denying it with with positional um, most of the time. And uh, I think this is going to maybe help you if you get caught out by something you didn't quite see, making it slightly less reliable. Um, but kind of like you, you you got some data on this, surely, right? Yes. Let's keep this this sweet. It's always hard listening to just raw data. And I'll open with um, we've compared the impact of this ballistic skill reduction against Horde, mid-range, and Elite. What does that mean? Okay, so a Horde, I'm counting as a 7-win model with a 5-up save. A mid-range is an 8-win model with a 4-up save. An Elite is a 12-win model with a 3-up save. And in all cases, I've, I've assumed that the model is in cover. Although, again, something with Barrage, obviously, that doesn't make any difference. But in that's what we'll assume from here on. So on a, with the with the guided shell previously, where it was hitting on a three plus, you'd have a fifty seven percent chance of killing a horde model, a forty six percent chance of killing a mid range model, and an eight uh, sorry nine percent sorry chance of killing an elite model. Now it's gone to four plus. You're looking at a thirty nine percent chance to kill a horde model, a thirty percent chance to kill a mid range, and just a four percent chance to kill an elite. So it's already severely reduce the chance to kill. So in, injured probably is quite high. I didn't look into that, but the chance to just kill outright, that's been nerfed quite significantly. Well, do you have the the, dam- the differences between the two? What's the actual um, percentage difference that, that we've yes. seen from this nerf? So against the Horde, that's been reduced by 19% chance to kill. Mid-range, that's been reduced by 17% chance to kill. And Elite, that's been reduced by 4% chance to kill. Maybe it would help, actually, if we put this data up on the... the um, It'll be on the screen if you would see. Yeah. yeah. Um, what does that actually mean? Well, the damage you're forecasting against the hordes. So previously it was eight damage against a horde. Now it's only going to do six. Again, that's just injured against mid range. You were uh, forecasting seven damage. Now you're only forecasting. I'm going to say four point eight because five is injured, four is not injured. So that's an interesting breakpoint there. And against elite, where you were forecasting. 5.5 damage we're now only looking at 3.7 so guided shell looking pretty nerf there yeah so that, that's really affecting them against the horde teams right so it doesn't seem to have much of an effect against elites you're doing a bit less mm. damage which is which is nice but it's really affecting your probability kill on the guided shell uh, versus horde teams but the, the other uh, asset the cluster bomb also got nerfed by didn't it so what's the stats reference uh, the cluster bomb correct so uh three plus into Horde, that was looking at a 33% chance to kill. Into mid-range, 15% chance to kill. And then against Elite, just a quarter of a cent chance to kill. Now at 4+, it's an 18% chance to kill a Horde model, 7% chance to kill a mid-range model, and a 0.13% chance to kill an Elite. So the difference is a 15% drop-off for Horde, a, a 8% drop-off for mid-range, and a 012 for Elite. 
Uh, what does that mean in terms of damage? So against Horde, where you were forecasting five damage, you're now forecasting 3.8. Mid-range, it was 4.39. Now it's three. And against Elites, 3.5 has gone to 2.3. So like you said, this this is really impacting the Horde teams more than the Elites. Yeah, that's an interesting one. So pre-nerf, you're expecting to, uh, with the cluster bomb, uh, you're expecting to wound, right? Was the, was the main thing. Um, whereas mm. now, actually, you're not even going to get... A, you're not even going to wound the operative. You're just going to do a bit of chip damage, but they're actually going to walk away from it, not wounded. And that's probably a really interesting point to take away is uh, I think don't be surprised if the model that you've you've shot at hasn't actually been been injured uh, as a result of these nerfs. So um, that that seems like a, a quite a significant uh, change against their ability into those horde and mid-range teams, to be honest. But there's a few other changes that they've, they've done as well, kind of well, so they've done. Uh, I just wanted to, to pause there because I'm your... Uh, more FA with Star Striders than I am. Am I right in thinking you only get two of these assets anyway? We're just going to see that Cluster Bomb doesn't get used and everyone goes Guided Shell and the laser. Uh, yeah, so you have to alternate every other turn. So you're right. So I think what you'll probably see is, I mean, the benefit of the Cluster Bomb is the fact it's a three-inch blast. So if you could potentially hit a lot of enemies, then doing, say, you know, 3.8 damage on average to all those enemies but note that it's a standard deviation so actually you're going to get either three or four probably um but you know that's that means that it's probably going to be favored or you're probably going to favor the architect beam because that's going to be quite a reliable way of removing at least one model um and also then the the uh, the uh, the guided shell is also going to be better because it's going to do more of what you want uh going forwards now this is a bit of a different ball at pool park when we talk about into the dark because it has lethal five, but we're not going to get into the stats of that. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely going to be significantly less strong versus those teams. But you're right; I think you're going to see most um, players now just running the beam and the uh, the guided shell. So while we've got the data up, I think we'll jump to the the rotor cannon. So the rotor cannon previously it gained relentless, I think, in the last day. So it's now lost relentless again. So what what's the impact of that? Well, again, we'll look at it into Horde, Midrange, and Elite. So with Relentless, it was forecasting a 78% chance to kill a Horde model, 61% chance to kill a Midrange model, and a 19% chance to kill an Elite model. Now, since it's lost the Relentless ability, just a 41% chance to kill Horde, 23% chance to kill Midrange, and 3.5 against Elite. So the damage forecasted, we'll go through that. It was uh, against Horde, it was 9.8, now it's 5.4. Mid-range, 8.9, now 4.6. And Elite, it's gone from 8.07 to 3.97. That is a huge nerf. That is a huge nerf. I mean, this guy has gone from being a sort of reliable damage dealer on your team to being completely unreliable, very swingy, um, but you have to take him anyway, but like he is, he's not going to do a lot. And he's he's also tied with the heavy keyword. So uh, this is, you're going to feel this every time you shoot him because, you know, a, a sort of a 37 or 38% drop in effectiveness versus Horde and a, and a 39% drop in effectiveness versus mid-range and 16% effectiveness drop in, in uh, against Elite. Oh man, that's, that, that's gross. Um, to the point in which, you know, you, you're never forecasting to ever kill an elite model with this. Whereas when you have Relentless, you actually were. Like you, well, not were forecasting. One in, one in five times. It yeah. Was, it might have happened. That's ridiculous. 
So if you shot him four times, you, you'd expect that at least one point during the game, you, you, you might get a kill. Uh, I versus... can't believe how oppressive he was. I knew he was good, but you know when you actually look at the data there, it's like, wow, he's yeah. a reliable model. And this is the, the tactical tip that we talked about in the past, right? Like dice don't kill people, dice of rerolls do. And that was this this weapon's main strength for those rerolls it had. Um but actually now, nah. It's he he's gonna be uh, a lot, a lot more swingy. Um and it, it it this feels to me a bit unnecessary to go this far. I think they could have maybe just dropped it down to ceaseless. Um or, or uh, to be honest, I'd have caught like ceaseless and balanced. So you had like a, almost a halfway house where you'd be able to reroll one and ones. Um, but but no, th- th- this feels like it's going to be really rough. I think it's going to particularly hurt into those elite matchups because it's where you could dump a lot of damage into a single model. Um, and and they were already struggling with that matchup, which is why they gave them the, the, the buff to the architect beam in the first place, right? So um, yes, yeah, this, this is going to hurt. And there's there's a few other things that I think are going to make this this worse for them as well. What's the other nerf they received from well, just while you mentioned Caesars, I was thinking about it then, because the um, Recon Drones Burst kind of similar sort of toy, that's got Caesars. And that doesn't feel oppressive. It feels, feels like a good gun, but it doesn't feel oppressive. So yeah, absolutely. I think Caesars would be fair. Uh, we'll, we'll see it. We'll see what happens, I guess, but might be onto something there. Yeah, so they had another nerf to uh, Undaunted Explorers. And I think this is similar to what we've seen to other durability um, nerfs uh, in the data slate. So strategic ploy, the first time each friendly use Elucidian Star Strider operative fights in combat or a shooting attack is made against it, instead of each time, damage halved to a minimum of two. So that's two changes. It's not every single time now. And also it's got a ceiling now of two damage being reduced. Yeah, absolutely. Which is, again, this is this is the, the, the nerf that I was sort of saying, I think, I think the team sort of needs um, and this feel, makes the team feel a bit more better to play against because it was a bit weird when you had these insanely um, like durable uh, humans effectively just 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 hanging around on objectives um, and and not dying because they were just you know really keen to be there and explore the objective. Um, so you know this, this, this is a good enough, but I think the interesting thing again, and this is why I, took, I think in session I'm maybe going to swing forwards a little bit, is because. If you can double tap these models, so if you can shoot them twice, you remember it's only ever going to affect them the first time that they that they get a hit. So let's say you hit them on the, f- the first attack with a crit and a hit and whatever else, and they, they halve the damage from that crit and they take the other one, then they're five wounds remaining. When they can hit them again, and actually that might be a- enough to, to, to force through, irrespective of what you get, because the crit's going to get through the damage. So um, that, that's a really nice change where the double tap might force through enough because you can't do it every time. And also... And this doesn't maybe need an FAQ, um, but it says like the first time an operative fights in combat. I, I'm wondering if that means if I hit you with a normal hit first, you halve the damage of that, but then I can hit you with a crit subsequently, um, and then you wouldn't be able to halve that damage. So in that instance, like power swords and that sort of stuff, where you might be able to halve their first attack to say three, um, and and then the next one, or even if, let's say a chainsaw, where it'd be five, you'd, you'd be halving that uh, to three or whatever. Now you wouldn't be able to do that. And that can be really interesting for, for the way that the team plays is potentially you, you could hit them with a, a slightly lighter attack first and then hit them with a crit subsequently to be able to force you the damage that, that you needed to kill them. So I'd be interested to see how that one plays out uh, going forwards because um, that might be a, a really big change for, uh, for the team as well. But it feels like this has been dialed back, at, dialed back a little bit on on what it had. So overall, this feels like some pretty sizable nerfs to the team, which will 
would definitely hurt their win rate, I think. Um, but that, that they've still got a good toolbox. But I think ticking those elite matchups where they're already hurting you a little bit, stuff like that road to cannon nerf, they, they're going to feel a lot. Yeah, I think they, need, they needed something. We've been looking at them. We were even struggling ourselves. How do you how do you go about nerfing this team? Because they're, they're a brilliant, fun side to play. But you know, maybe they're a bit too oppressive. So, I mean, they've still got that three plus architect beam to try and shoot one model. But yeah, the rotor can... Um, just my gut tells me it probably want, does want Ceaseless, uh, but we'll have to see. When we... Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so another team that got quite a few nerfs were Breachers. Again, quite a solid side, so no surprise there for them. So, uh, first of all, to the Blitz tactical ploy, add the following sentence. If you if you do either, you cannot re-roll the remaining attack dice. Uh, you play Breachers quite a lot, Ryan. What is that actually telling us? Yeah, so, this, so obviously Blitz basically means you get to retain, if your first activation, your first shoot activation uh, on your turn, um, you get to retain a crit and you get to retain a hit. Uh, and what they're saying now is if you do that, the other dice that you're rolling, you can't re-roll. So if you have the attack order up, which gives you effectively called ambush, you can't now re-roll them or you can't CP re-roll it or anything like that. Um, this is this is fine. Like it's, It is where it is. Um, I don't think this addresses why Blitz was good though. I think the reason Blitz is really good is because you have the close assault and Blitz combined, which guarantees you three hits because close assault is if you get two hits you can retain a miss as a hit um so you would be guaranteeing two hits by using the blitz ploy and then you'd be guaranteeing that third hit irrespective of what you roll so you'd roll two dice looking for you know a three up or a four up if you get one of them you'd be hitting all your attacks um i think interestingly blitz is one of these these ploys that the team actually really needs versus the elite meta um they don't have that many big high damage threats that are, are really good into elites they have the metal gun, they have the plasma gun, and I guess they have like the, the the power weapons. But but if they if those models start dying and they don't trade out and they don't kill models, the rest of your guys aren't particularly killy. So um, it'll be really interesting to see how they do and if they run out of threats. You know, that being said, one of the teams that I thought they really struggled into, which was um, was Nurgle Legionaries, I think that they they're better now because their shotguns are going to be doing three three rather than uh, two three like previous. So maybe that's that matchup's got a little bit better but um i actually i actually can't think of a scenario where you re-rolled that extra dice and blitz you've just never needed it it's normally been like a melter gun or super bomb that's just killed me straight off the bat anyway guaranteed so. yeah exactly so normally getting within three inches I, i'd be rolling two dice looking for four up which is statistically going to happen right so you then get one four and then the miss that you've you didn't hit you convert to a hit anyway, which is four hits, and it's it's doing its job. I guess it means that if you somehow miss both of those, then you're only getting two hits through. Um, yeah. But that was you know that was always a, a, a possibility anyway. I guess if you still still very reliable. But um, the Navis Grenadier, he also got a subtle nerf. So just delete the final sentence of the Grenadier. And I haven't read his stats, but I'm pretty sure that's just bringing him in line. With like the other grenadiers and stopping them having two of each bomb, is that right? That's exactly it. Yeah. So, and again, I, I don't really think this is was, this was too much of a of a nerf. Like, um, even if even if you got the, so he only ever had one demo charge, um, as far as I was aware. Uh, that's how I was playing it. Maybe I was nerfing myself, but he only ever had one one demo charge. But he had two frags and two cracks. That was the the idea. Um, but I, I never really saw anyone using those anyway because. Even if you did like a last and first action with him, so at the end of say turning point two, you activated him, he threw his demo charge. At the beginning of turning point three, you activated him and he threw his crack. Like I've never seen that model live through that turn. So um 
I've never seen him throw a second crack grenade uh, onto his demo. So fine, it, yeah, it aligns him to the, to the other grenadiers, but I don't think it's going to be a, a, a huge game changer in 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 the team's gameplay. And then the last one again, talking about alignment, just aligns their their damage reduction with everyone else's nerf. So brace for counter attacks, tree deploy now is to a minimum of three instead of to two, which probably is the most significant nerf to the team, I would imagine. Yeah, this, this is the one that is, that's going to hit him right in the feels. Because um, bolters and shotguns love this, right? So three regular hits now kills, um, irrespective if you have a stim or not. So actually the the usefulness of that stim is, is, is somewhat gone away because it used to be um, be really useful because you'd be hitting them with, let's say you, you get two hits through, they'll take four damage and they wouldn't be wounded. Well, now they are going to be wounded. Um, or if you got three hits through, they'd be wounded, but they, they, they wouldn't be dead. Whereas now they're, they're going to die. So... Um, yeah, really interesting how that's going to change that their damage breakpoint. Um, note that it's it's it doesn't affect their crits though. So I think now, arguably, um, yeah, the fact that they're going to be three damage anyway versus the crits and bolt guns, it's it's a somewhat uh, nil change. But I think what's going to be interesting here is that the, the teams that that people maybe not, aren't expecting to benefit in, uh, uh, like from these changes, which is things like Wormblade with their three three shotguns, things like Kroot with their three four weapons. Um, these sorts of ch- uh, teams are actually going to really benefit from these changes, where these matchups now got significantly easier for them. So it's, it's interesting to see that this has been quite a, uh, a blanket change across the board um, for these teams, and uh, those three four weapons are now looking a lot more spicy than they were before. before. So we've uh, we've spoken a lot about. The nerf. Should we talk about some buffs? Yeah, let's do it. Hyrotech Circle. They've been buffed, which everyone will be very glad to hear about. So let's jump in first with the reanimation protocols. So, uh, resolve before living metal ability. Operatives regain D3 plus 3 lost wounds and can instead be placed within that reanimation token, but not within engagement range of any operatives with an order of your choice. So, this just means that when they turn up, they then get bonus wounds. I think beforehand was the timing slightly off. Yeah, so um, so, well, so the, the first change was that they would be able to do the uh, living metal ability as well, but now they're getting more wounds, they're getting the living metal, they get to appear within three of their token, and uh, they get to appear with an order of their choice, which is quite a lot of big changes. So let, let's start from the beginning. The, the first change, the fact they get more wounds, means that you're never going to bring an operative back that's wounded. Now that is that is huge. And for the internal balance of the faction, I think we need to start going back and we need to start looking at who we're, we're valuing, like Technomancer. Well, probably not anymore. I mean, to be fair, I don't think he was the case anyway, but I think that Chronomancer is going to be looking really good uh, coming out of this balanced data slate uh, and, and someone for, for us to focus on. Being able to appear within three is, is quite nice that people might remember playing um, or know of playing uh, big 40k with the reanimation of necrons where they'd slowly creep forwards and they would get a bit closer to you a bit closer to you a bit closer to you well that's exactly what they're going to be doing now as well so they might be able to die just off of an objective but then suddenly reappear on that objective in conceal um or on engage ready to shoot wherever it's going to be um and 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 be able to to hurt you that way so the fact that they can now regenerate from when they were previously on engage but now beyond to conceal can be really good for their survivability so they're not going to get shot off the board again straight away um, so that that's pretty good. And harking back to that minimum damage three, that Chronomancer with the Aeon Stave, which was a, a three three damage weapon, oof, that's looking pretty spicy right now. So um, that's a a pretty significant buff to their durability on the table. And I think probably a good internal faction balance. So the Technomancer's less favourable. Chronomancer's looking looking real good, um, looking good at the moment. What's the other change, Connor? 
Yeah, so the Plasma Sight Accelerator, he's uh, had a buff too. So his Accelerate action is now 0 AP and within 6. And beforehand it was 3. Yeah, this is, again, this is huge, right? Because th- this is this is right where the team needs it, which is action efficiency. Um, they didn't have enough APL on the board. This was a way of them getting some APL. And this is now a free APL. So this guy's a little battery. And he's going to be able to go do the mission actions that you want him to be doing. And at the same time as doing them, be buffing the team in the right way um, and the fact that you can do it to six inches now is also really good so it's going to make him more flexible he's going to let him play that mission a bit better and it's going to give the team apl which is what the team needs so it's a really nice buff a really helpful buff uh, and i think all uh, sorry all um high-tech circle players are going to feel this uh, straight away the the other plasma site he's also been buffed so the plasma site uh, reanimator reanimation ability now you do not subtract one when uh, from your APL when doing this ability. Yeah, this is, this is once again, this is me thinking that the Technomancer maybe isn't the one to look for anymore. So this guy is going to keep the guys going forwards by doing those, those reanimates where you need them. Um, and now he's also going to be able to do the mission. So he might be able to move to an objective, loot it, and uh, and having having reanimated someone last turn, that sort of stuff. So again, just really helping with that um, action efficiency and, and allowing him to go, do go and play the missions in the way that you want him to, which is good because, uh, once again, the team need that efficiency uh, based on how many how many models they have. We're not done. Uh, so the Cryptech, Despotech, and the Apprentech, they all get two more wounds and improve their ballistic skill, weapon skill characteristics of their weapons by one. Pretty significant boost there. Huge. The Despotech just got so deadly. So combined with the fact, and we'll talk about it in a second, but he, he's able to get balanced, He's hitting on twos. He's now a reliable killing machine, and he is a fantastic candidate for that Chronomancer. Ink, like buff to move, invulnerable save, feel no pain. You stack all those those bits on him, and you're going to yeet him into those, those enemy models. Hitting on twos, uh, twelve wounds. Oh, he's going to be an absolute beast. He's going to get some killing done, and he's going to be a really hard model to shift, which is which is awesome stuff to see. Um, the Prentec. Uh, I'm 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 on the fence, right? Like he's yeah, he's a bit better now, but I'm I'm not sold overall. He's just not he's not killy enough against the stuff that I actually think he needs to be, be killy against. Now, I would argue there is maybe a place if you're playing against like Nurgles, you don't like you don't care about four damage because it's going to go down to three or breaches, whatever. Fine, this this is a good guy to take, but against everyone else, I think I don't know. I'm not I'm not sold on him. Those cult ambush rerolls are quite nice, but but I think really um, an immortal is probably going to serve you better in most instances. Uh, maybe I'm wrong on that one. You know, I, I haven't played too much of the team, but my, my gut says you want to be going on those those five immortals and, and your cryptech, uh, and this guy's probably going to be on the bench, even though now he is a bit more durable, he's more mobile, and, he, and he's a bit more killy. Um, so fair enough. And then finally, the cryptech having that weapon skill increase it, it, it's nice. Don't throw him in melee anyway. Please don't throw him melee. He's only got three attacks. He's not killing anyone unless they're one hit. Uh, even then, it's a bit swingy. Don't. He's not a melee model. He's not a melee model. Please don't do it. He's just there to shoot people and buff other people. Um, I know Corn's whispering in your ear saying, "Throw him melee. <laughs> throw him melee." Like, but you, you, like, just don't do it. <laughs> yeah, like, please don't do it. Um, yeah, Despotech. He is now epic. He is going to be a, a a monster, and people should be should be scared of him for that. And both the Cryptex command action and the Despotex demand action 
are now zero AP, so even further bust for them. Absolutely, and this is once again, it's hitting them when they need it, right? APL efficiency, this is what this team is getting. So he can now be uh, telling his buddy to Overwatch, he can be doing mission actions, pickup actions, uh, the Despotech can make the guns more reliable, and he can turn himself into like a sniper, he can turn someone else into a sniper, or he can you know push forward and be a, a more effective in melee as well. So um, you know, the ways you can stack on this guy are so good. You can make him so he's lethal five in melee, now hitting on twos with a reroll. Um, if someone charges him, they take mortal wounds, etc., etc. Like you can put some real fear into people with this sort of model and, and his ability to do stuff, which is which is really nice, um, and it's great for, for action efficiency. Um, but this isn't actually their best buff. You know, there's there is the best buff is still to come. Yeah, there's this last buff. It's like a nice management buff. So, cryptex cryptic actions change all instances of the end of the turning point and the start of the next turning point to the start of this operative's next activation if it's incapacitated or if another friendly operative performs this action, whichever comes first. Oh my god, this is massive, right? So, like, th this is this is the thing that you can hang your whole team around, right? So the Cryptek actions are the, the, the workhorse of this team, and this is where it's going to get get it done, right? And it's going to last, and that's the main thing. So now, you're giving that your Despotech that three-up invulnerable, you're giving him a feel-no-pain, you're making him more mobile, you're activating him at the end of turning point one. But at turning point two... He's still just as durable, he's still just as mobile, he's still just as killy, and he's doing it all again, right? So this is so good. And then not just that, but you can then give that to someone else in turning point two after that guy's already benefited from it. So when he dies, you can give it to someone else and he's going to hang around until turning point three. So this is like massively increasing the efficiency of these cryptic actions. It's going to be really significant and it's going to make your team play so much better going forward. So this is huge. The The buffs in general uh, as a collective are really significant to increasing their, the, the killing power, the action efficiency, the staying power of the team. Is it going to be enough? I'm not sure. I, I need to get on the table and play with them. Stand by, you know, for Saturday. I'm going to hopefully go and do that. Um, but th this is getting me excited about Necrons. I, I think there's th there's now some stuff there that can actually be played with in, in a meaningful way. Combine that with their, their quite good faction tack ops and, and their recon deck. And I, and I think this team might be uh, might be playable. So I'm, I'm excited to see them on the table. Um, and I'm excited to see how they play. We'll have to wait and see. I, I think it's just nice to... to feel like you don't, you're not obligated to use the Cryptek as the first or second model going into the next turning point because you, it can be the last model. That's still going to be, unless, unless he gets incapacitated, admittedly. But that ability is still going to be ongoing. Yeah, and he's and he, he's already quite durable. And it also, yeah, so like, oh, it's just so good. It, it, it means that you have so much more flexibility in how you're playing because you're absolutely right. The Before, you're always wondering you know, when you're going to use him like you have to try and use your cryptic early, but he's your main killing model. Whereas now it's going to give you that, that flexibility. You can you can soup someone up on turn one. You can you, you can, for instance, if you if you're using the um, the psychomancer, you could nerf one of their models until they've activated it. They've they've activated it and then they're they're injured and then you're going to nerf another one of their models before they activate it. So now they they you you know you've made two of their models really ineffective during a turn and that sort of stuff. So it just it really helps with their efficiency, which is which is really good to see. Um, I, I think that they're going to get a lot out of this this balance day. It's like, but there were some other winners, weren't there? Kazakin got some buffs too. Absolutely, yeah. So all operatives got an additional wound, which is nice. Uh, in addition, with the elite ability, in each strategy phase, add two elite points to your pool. I think was it previously just the one they were getting every turn? So bonus elite point. Uh, so no. So what they had before is just their leader got elite points. Whereas now I see. Yeah. they're getting it, they're getting effectively double each turn. 
So, okay, so can we clarify that? Because I've obviously misunderstood that. So is the leader still generating points or is it the leader's now generating two points? So the leader's generating two and the team is generating two. Yeah, okay, that's yeah, that's pretty cool for them. Fair play. Also, they um, they get access to some new equipment. It's called a combat blade. And I've already, I have no idea what the profile of that is. What is it? Is it a three? So the combat blade is, uh, it's three attacks on uh, fours, three, four damage. Um, so it's a slightly more effective melee weapon. But the really cool thing about that is it still works from the uh, Forcadia tactical ploy. Now, I think people are essentially looking at this in the wrong way. Um, I saw people say, oh, you know, this is great because it means that I can spend elite points and I can kill a four wound model guy with, with a single hit. Sure. Actually, what this lets you do is it lets you kill a five wound model guy, right? Because you're going to yeet this guy in, right? And you, if, if you need to, you're going to make it a crit, right? So you could always do that before, but now you meet, you can do a five damage crit guaranteed and kill someone. So if you see a guy hang, hang around, five wounds remaining, you're going to go, I'm not going to even bother rolling. Well, you roll a dice and you see what you get. Uh, roll three dice and you spend how many elite points you need to, to make one of them a crit and punch him in to kill him straight away, which is, which is a nice little change. Can we compare um, it? Do we know what the uh, the fists were doing beforehand? Is there, is there any yeah, one so of, it, well, I didn't it, specify that, actually. This is one equipment point, which is cheap, but it's nice to have. Uh, in fact, let me just go and, and just double check all of this data before I go and tell something horribly wrong. So I th I'm pretty sure, previously, the fists were 2-3, and Forcadia put you up to 3-4. And this is now 3-4, and the uh, Forcadia is going to put you up to 4-5. And the um, three damage is now good against a lot of teams because that durable um, has been reduced across the board and three damage is significant. Yeah, absolutely. So, And that's kind of the, the, the point, right, is that now you're, this team generally is going to perform better against any of those teams with that damage reduction because they're um, all of their weapons are pretty much 3-4. You know, they're hotshot last guns and that sort of stuff. Um, but the, the, the point that I would I, I would say about this is that the, the main teams with that were your elite teams and they were already doing pretty well against them. Um, so, yeah, I... I don't know. I, I'm not... Out of all the teams, I don't think Kazakin are the, the the best. I think they're, they're in a better place, right? They're in a much better place, but I don't think they're the best. But I'll, I'll just quickly run through the, the Comet Blade. So it's, it's 1 EP, it's 3 attacks, it hits on 4, it's 3-4... And it does benefit from the uh, full Kadia tactical ploy. So that's going to give you a full no pain, and it's also going to give you um, a a, four, a bonus for damage. So you got to four or five. So yeah, you can you can go in and make sure that you reliably kill a model um, where you need to in melee, which is which is pretty nice to be able to remove that that RNG that would potentially previously exist um, on on that melee roll. Which is which is good. How does uh, Forcadia work? Does it work defensively? No, it's only when a model is activated. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. it's it's going to be when you're going into the offensive rather than uh, say you know just someone charges you and you quickly trying to like pull a sneaky and uh, and get it to work. So um, that's that's kind of how 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 it's going going forwards. But that is cheeky though, being able to use elites now to guarantee a crit because even things like. Harlequins, where they could, is, I think, is a jest where they force you to do a parry. Well, I'm going to elite points, and this is a guaranteed crit. And that's kind of it. So, like, you know, it's it's that make sure make sure when you're doing it, you focus on on killing the the, the five wound model sort of thing or or less. So that's the main point. So it's it's using that crit in a you know in, in a very effective way, and it also gives you a five up full of pain, which is which is nice because you're, you're going to be sat in the open. Um, 
but I, I wouldn't be trying to use it just to to, to punch people uh, multiple times because you've only got three attacks and going in with forge, you're probably going to get two hits. Now you could, I guess, make one of them into a, uh, a your you know your failed hit into a crit maybe, and then you're you're guaranteed to do some damage. But yeah, I, I wouldn't. I would try to use this as a as a one hit against uh, five wound models or less. Okay, cool. And the other main benefit they got is actually the, the adding uh, one to the wound characteristic. And this is probably the, the, the biggest buff, right? Because this actually is going to affect their durability where the team was particularly weak uh, before. So um, them going up to eight wounds, that's going to change the balance uh, or change the um, the uh, damage threshold for them dying uh, and for them being wounded, right? So now take four damage. Yeah, yeah their breakpoint is, 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 is significantly better. So they're not getting wounded off four damage anymore. Um, and they're going to hang around a bit longer, um, which is which is nice. So they're less vulnerable to that bolt of fire, um, which is which is good because they were going to get slayed by intercession. Um, that being said, you still need to be careful against those those uh, you know lethal five P one bolters because I think they might shred you. Um, but yeah, it, it's going to help. So more elite points, a bit more durable, and, and an extra uh, melee option is is cool. Um, I'm. You know, yet to get these guys on the table and, and have a good good old play with them. Um, I, I think the fact that they're going to have quite a lot of elite points means that they're they're going to be using those crits more effectively. And I think that's probably the way to do it is 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 look at making those misses that you get and, and making a miss into a crit almost every time uh, to force through a lot of a lot of damage as and when you can. And that's kind of where, where we're at with the team. Yeah, I think that was a nice a nice data slip. I said it earlier. So again, I I do like the subtle not heavy-handed approach to to these tweaks they're just little gradual tweaks that we've had here and there to uh, address the game and we'll see the impact of that and then do another one if necessary i, I like it and i like these changes yeah it'd be really interesting to see how these um these affect the game because there is there's quite a lot of changes so for i would say for, for higher tech it's actually it's it's, it's huge changes, huge right? Like they've, they've changed a lot on that team. Um, the, the the primary VP change, I don't think anyone was expecting. I mean, it's still odd that loot isn't up to four uh, VP per objective yet. I think that might be something that should probably come in. Um, but for the rest of them, that they, they seem to be fairly okay. Um, I, I don't necessarily think that they're all needed to the extent that they're at there. Um, but but fine, like we'll, we'll, we'll time will tell, you know, maybe we'll, we'll see a, a new meta um uh surge forwards but hopefully that was the use so we, we tried to do a little bit of context there give a little bit of stats give a little bit of background a little bit of assessment into the balanced data state rather than just give you uh well, like instead of just reading what's on the page because i'm sure most people can read um so hopefully that's that that's been of use if people are enjoying this connor and they're thinking to themselves you know that was that was really helpful um i, I really love what, what what you guys are doing and, and and they would like to support us a little bit is there is there a way that they, they could go about doing that yeah, so the first thing you can do is, is physically like this video and uh, hit subscribe as well, click that bell icon so you don't miss out on any future videos too. Um, it helps us. Um, we, we're trying to get to 1,000 subscribers because that's the point where we can start to get monetized by YouTube and we've already grown to, I think we're over 500 now, which is phenomenal. Thanks, everyone. We are halfway there. Yeah, yeah we are over halfway, which is awesome. So, yeah, pl pl please do that and share it with people. Uh, if you want to give immediate support to us, you can join our Patreon where for as little as three pounds a month which would get us a new paintbrush we'll say us a new paintbrush it'll get me a new paintbrush because ryan doesn't do painting but it would get you <laughs> early access to all of our content as well as some exclusive patreon only content and inclusion in our questionnaires and then finally we've got an affiliate link down below to element games if you're going to buy any warhammer or kill team or any ho uh, hobby stuff 
if you buy it through that link then we get support from them too awesome stuff um that is that's great we are unfortunately we have overrun a lot um and we do have quite a few patreon priority questions um instead i think what we'll do we'll just answer the first one um because we always want to make sure we pay back to the patrons. So we'll ask the fir- answer the first one. We'll take the next few into the next week because um, we can answer them then. And we'll save the tactical tip as well. But I'll, I'll put a tactical tip on the Patreon for those guys because obviously they've earned it. Um, and we'll, we'll answer just the first Patreon priority question. God, if we we'll go for that. But we'll jump into them next week. Yeah, we don't want to lose these. These are good questions. We'll, we'll do the rest of them two, three, and four next week because we've already written the answers to them. So there's no reason not to. Phenomenal. Yeah. So this question ties into the change in the critical ops pass that we mentioned right at the start. Uh, does the uplift to 16 primary VP favour hordes or elites? So I think it's a, it's a really good good question, right? Because it's again, it's it's focusing on that win condition, which I think is really important. Um, initially, most people's gut feel is they're going to say it's going to favour hordes because they're going to be able to sit on more objectives earlier on. However, I think if you play elites in, in the mindset of, um, I think, and this is what elites should be really good at doing, is denying VP heavily um, this is where it's going to really help you out. So um, I think it doesn't actually favour either team. It's just going to make you adapt your game plan. So the new missions themselves are pretty balanced, right? And I think, if anything, arguably, the new missions somewhat favour elites um, because the ability to get onto four points turn one is, you know, it requires effectively three APL. Like, to, to, to get four four points you either need some sort of comms buff or you need some ga2 with a, with a pre-game dash or you need you need some way of like a pseudo 3 apl if you had to get to the positions you need to get to um elites have that just baked in right and they can sit on those objectives and they're hard to take away from them so i think actually this is this is pretty well balanced you know six objectives is pretty well balanced i think an aggressive elite player who throws away their models early um will, will be hurt by this but he's slightly more cautious that commits just the right amount of resources throughout the game, doesn't overcommit, is going to find this to be a really useful change for them um, because they can get on those those primary objectives early, get that early lead and potentially maintain it just enough throughout the course of the game, which would be, which would be really good. So um, my answer is neither. It's just going to require you to adapt your game plan. The new missions are pretty balanced. And if anything, I think it slightly favours elites in general, but you know, maybe I'm going to be proved heavily wrong on that. We'll have to see what happens with, with the win rates. Um, cool. Any thoughts on that, Connor? This is my this is my gut reaction, and, and feel free to add your own thoughts uh, as, I, as I think it out. But we'll park loot to one side for a minute. And apologies, I've forgotten the name of the. Well, I know they're secure and whatnot, but I've forgotten which one. So there's two other missions. One where you have to sit on the objective and tap it, and one where you sit on it, control it, and you can move forward. Which which round are they? Say. So, one is secure, you have to go to the objective, you then spend an AP to capture it. Uh, once you've done that, it remains yours, it's sticky, yeah. and, it, and, and you can you can leave, but each time someone goes back onto it, they have to spend an AP to recapture it, if your opponent wants to take it from you. Whereas capture is just determined at the end of the turn, whoever has more APL on it at the end of the turn takes ownership of my, that objective. My, my gut is telling me, just thinking about it, elites are going to struggle on that one but with secure where it's sticky and they can capture their well sorry capture sticker it's sticky as well so if you if you sit on it as capture and then you move forwards okay it it remains yours yeah yes which which is why i think it favors elites in general because those sticky objectives really help them it's it's only loot which uh isn't and actually you can 
you can move move up early with with elites and get those those, those points. But loot hasn't on, on changed, loot. that has it? Because it's still only an eighteen point. See, I think who exactly, was getting yeah. twelve on loot? I think really we were getting what nine and ten, something like that. If it's going well, you get like eight and ten or yeah, nine. nine yeah, we were never getting above the twelve or the thought of getting above twelve is ridiculous. Absolutely, yeah. So I, I think you're right. I think elites are gonna gonna shine here. I think I think so, and particularly with you know if you if you start using things like seek and destroy to heavily start denying your opponent VP uh, by removing their models and score yourself VP, I think there's, there's some good efficiency stacked into that you know to to be able to to to, to hurt horde teams quite quite effectively, and as well like a lot of the big horde teams at the moment like Vetguard, security is not so good on on tac ops, so actually it's quite easy to deny those tac ops. So you know there's there's definitely something there, um, and I, I would. Just my, my parting comment would be, tack ups are still going to be really important. They're, they're still going to win you the game. This this change in in primary is just going to affect your ability to uh, to regain should your tack ups go hor- horribly wrong. So, um, you know, if you know you've lost a TVP on on tack ups, you then go, oh, okay, I need to play much more aggressive on the primary. It's, it's kind of how how I think it goes. I think it'll be interesting to see what you say uh, next week after you've been to this tournament <laughs> and you've won every game with twenty points, but still lost because you didn't get enough primary points yeah maybe maybe you will have to see well it's all about the win condition isn't it so uh make sure you check where the win condition is at the tournament you're going to and if it is primary vp then make sure you flex into that obviously scoring those extra primary vps might be more important but i think most tournaments are using tac ops as their as their primary tiebreaker at the moment sweet so that's going to bring us to the end of this episode hopefully you found something new or useful while while listening if you did throwing us a like as we said would be greatly appreciated and if you want to make sure you don't miss any episodes make sure to hit that subscribe button so you get notifications as soon as the next one drop that really helps a small channel like ours and we're already halfway there we're at 500 subscribers which is absolutely amazing um hopefully we can keep driving that all the way up to the 1000 mark that we, we really want to hit um as always we'd love to hear your thoughts and feedback so if you, if, uh, you do have any comments uh, make sure you hit that uh, comment drop uh, drop one of those comments below and we'll get right to you thank you so much for listening as always i'm your host ryan this has been turning point tactics and we'll see you next week see you next week